the reason I was asking you that is because I also listened to the interview and Kane admittedly said that his wrist is not 100%. And I get every time a player says that and they rush back into the lineup, I get like um, Sheldon Surrey vibes, like just like, are we doing this too early or what are we doing? What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up, and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It is the Cujo episode, number 31. How's it going, Sean? It's going pretty good. It's been a good week. It's been a good week, man. I was excited to record today because... Uh, of the week that we had and how great everything was. Um, Wait a second. It, Time out. Going. Before okay. you get ahead of yourself, you just said this was the Cujo episode. But I think it's yeah. more the Grant Fuhr episode, is it not? You're really putting oh, Cujo above Grant Fuhr? I, 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 I'm not one of those guys that can say, I was like, I thought something was going wrong. I was like, oh shit. No, um, no, no. Well, yes, something's going wrong, but not that. I, I got to put Cujo because I'm not one of those guys that can sit. I never watched Grand Fear play. I mean, that's fair. Uh, and me yeah. being around the same age as you, I would also say Cujo. But I feel like it's a good way to get a lot of hate. <laughs> not naming yeah. the very, very popular and longstanding 80s Oilers. Yes, yes. that uh, That's the kind of comments that get you lynched in Edmonton. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Um... For for all of you listening, uh, I was panicking because Sean and I we I think we found a loophole in the system and how to get our recording a little bit cleaner here. So um, I, I figured things were going astray like right off the hop. But um, as I was mentioning, um, it's been such a good week, and you know when you go and you put down your notes for today, it's tough to find things to talk about when things are going good. Hey, I've already made that mistake once, and I refuse to say that again. I don't want to jinx us again. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Pretty so we'll, we'll take... What, what's, what's that? I was just going to say, I think we went 0-4 after I said that last time. So in the next week, I really want to tread lightly. That's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> looking back at this uh, this last week, the Edmonton Oilers coming off the, uh, the 6-2 win against the Ducks, the 7-1 thrashing against the Sharks. And then that great performance on Saturday night against the uh, the Golden Knights. Where do we want to start, man? Like, <laughs> just, what well, a week. I think just overall it was a great week. And it's hard to yeah. even pick a bad thing out of the pot, really. Like, Clint Cawson's yeah. proving to be a, a favorite of the city. I think everyone's rallying around him. What are your thoughts on how Cawson's played? Man, like, th- this guy could not be more of a, a shining star of this like dud of a season of what we've had so far. Like I am so happy with his game and you can, it's nice to see a guy actually excel and uh, you know, just love the game of hockey. You don't see that very often. Like, I think this guy is like significantly impressed himself and it's just, I love it. I love it. I don't know about you. I just like to see that we're giving him the opportunity. Like he's playing in the top six here and there. He's consistently stapled with uh, Nuge and Yanmark now, which to be fair, if you said that 
at the beginning of the year, I'd be pretty disappointed. But with the chemistry they've shown, that line specifically, like Yanmark has played fantastic in the Vegas game. He was flying. And Nuge just continues to prove that he is more than good enough to be considered the first overall pick of his draft year, even though he's been questioned about that for years. But he's done nothing but prove people wrong this season. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane. Like that line together, and when you see it on paper, isn't like a, a something that you know stands out. But just the way they've been playing is like heads and tails above what you'd expect them to to be, and it's it's great to see. So not to be a doomer about that line, but do you think they can <laughs> keep it up? Do you think they can continue well, to be an effective scoring third line for us? Well, and, and so we're going to get into the Kane stuff in a little bit, but that's the one thing that I wanted to like figure out. What does this lineup look when Kane comes back? Like, you're essentially, I, I saw some like different drafts of the, the, the lineup when he gets back in here. You're looking at having like Ryan McLeod playing on the fourth line. If well, you keep that third line together. Yeah, and I think it's it's helpful as the as unfortunate as it may be that Yamamoto's hurt right now. Um assuming he goes on to LTIR, then Kane will be able to slide right back into the lineup without any issues. But like with a fully healthy roster, that creates a lot of question marks with A, how they can afford it, and B how they actually want to set up the roster, because it's hard to look at Kostin or Yanmark and want to take them out of the lineup with the way they've been playing. But then oh, I know. that essentially like, points fingers at like a Pugliarvi and a Fogel. Yeah, yeah. And, and like Yanmark was probably the first person that I had penciled off the lineup when Kane returns. But yeah, to your point, I, how do you I pull agree. him out? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be, I, I would think that it would probably be some combination of like, if we look at pairs, they'll probably pair Kane and McDavid together. And then pair mm-hmm. Drysidle and Hyman together, and then just plug players in to those other two spots, and then probably keep this third line at least while they're hot together. Meaning you mm-hmm. might have like Holloway and McLeod, for example, playing like say they're doing eleven and seven. You'll have them on the fourth line, just rolling between uh, McDavid, Drysidle, and Nuge. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I think I, I follow that the same way. Um... Just before we leave uh, Costin here for a second, uh, can I can I air some grievances of one of my biggest pet peeves? <laughs> Please go right ahead. I I love the creativity uh, uh, amongst all the fans in Edmonton, but his name is Clem, not Clem. And so all this Clem shady, the uh, we did it too. But now that you know the Clem is coming out, like I can't stand to keep seeing these nicknames with his wrong name. I mean, I'm guilty of it, but I agree with you that it's not the proper pronunciation, but for some reason, I just like saying Klim more than Klim. That's fair. So I'm I'm going to keep doing it until somebody called me out. Okay. Somebody not named you. (laughs) Hey, I get seen all the time, so that doesn't hurt (laughs) me that much. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Anyways, moving on. Uh, We kind of uh, buried the lead a little bit. It sounds like Kane uh, is going to be back sometime this week. Do we have a like confirmed timeline? Because I'm seeing like different shit everywhere. So the big thing that I've heard is it's supposed to be tomorrow, but that was barring some medical clearances that he was looking to get today. Um, so was that his... from Tim Peel? It wasn't from Tim Peel. That was a tweet either from, I think it was Rashog or Frank Cervalli that I read this morning. Um, okay. 
but that is entirely dependent on if he clears. I think Kane thinks he's ready. He was playing with McLeod and Fogel today. So it's looking like yeah. he might be playing like, I don't know, the pseudo fourth line, like you said, because they don't want to break up any of the the pairings. Um, so yeah, it was Rashog saying to that doctors were seeking clearance to play and that was happening today. And Kane is mm-hmm. wanting to get into the lineup, but it's just a matter if they can. But it's important to note also that Edmonton didn't put anybody on waivers. So the only possible way he can play cap-wise tomorrow is if Yamamoto goes on LTIR or there is some sort of trade. It's, yeah. A lot of uh, speculation that Pooley RV is like running down his days in Edmonton here. I, I don't know if that's going to end up happening, but um, uh, the reason I was asking you that is because I also listened to the interview and Kane admittedly said that his wrist is not 100%. And I get every time a player says that and they rush back into the lineup, I get like um, Sheldon Surrey vibes. Like, just like, are we doing this too early or what are we doing? Uh, I know this team's in a hunt for a playoffs, but like, I'm hoping that he's the one driving the, the itch to get back in the lineup. Well, I think maybe part of it too is like his injuries. It's hard to say if it's 100% until he's actually seen game action. To be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm feeling back to normal after he scores a couple goals in a game or something. He's like, okay, yeah, this is this is feeling normal again. Because until you're in the moment, like, I feel like the best you could ever say about any injury would be like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling like 90% or 95% sure that I'm good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I hope everything's, like, fine and he's, he's ready to jump back in. But uh, can we touch on Yamamoto here? Like, is this guy, has this guy been 100% yet this year? Um, probably not. I did, I wonder if he's been a hundred percent since he's come into the league, like outside of those first, whatever, 20, 30 games that he played where he was point per game. And we had the nuge dry sidle Yamamoto line and everybody was <laughs> losing their minds outside of then. I think he's probably been nursing some sort of injury in some capacity every single year for the past, what, three yep. years now. Yeah, it's a good point. I never extended it past this season, but now that you point that out, it is kind of a glaring thing. He he does seem to miss like a good chunk of time every single year, but uh, maybe that's just a you know a byproduct of his game. But uh, I just this year in particular, I feel like something's nagging him, and he's just not taking the proper time to to get healed up. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it looks like last year he almost played a full season. He played uh, eighty one yeah. games. And I don't know how many games he missed in the other two seasons because those are some COVID-riddled seasons. Um, so I couldn't <laughs> tell you for sure. But he seems like he's always got something going on. And mm-hmm. I know he's had some concussions in the past, and I do wholeheartedly agree that it's the way he plays because he plays like a hymen without the size. And that yeah. takes a toll on a small body like Yamamoto. It's not like a Goudreau play style where he rarely gets hit or anything like that. So he's taking a beating every game and a hit from a 250 pound guy onto a 150 pound guy is going to eventually hurt you in the worst way possible. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So I guess we'll see what happens with Yamamoto. Maybe he does get loaned to LTIR and then we, uh, we move ahead, but uh, yeah, lots of, lineup shuffling going on here uh one thing in particular uh how do we approach this uh first off congratulations to Stuart skinner uh him and his 
um, partner celebrated the the birth of their child on Saturday. So it sounds like he's going to be back in net on Tuesday night. Uh, he's at least in the, the starters net uh, for practice today. Uh, of course, recording here Monday afternoon. Uh, so that, you know, sends Calvin Pickard down to uh, the minors. Uh, I just want to open this up and get your thoughts on Campbell this past week. I mean, he was pretty phenomenal. It's hard to look at what he did and not say that he was phenomenal. He made some huge saves, and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say he's the only reason we beat Vegas, but he did exactly what I want from a goalie like Campbell, which is like three goals or less. That's all I ask. With our offense, three goals or less should be more than enough for us to win a game. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Totally. That fucking save against San Jose, uh, yeah, that was that was Vlasic. Just the 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 glove save, unbelievable. I felt bad that he he didn't uh, you know pull it all together for the the goose egg, but um, especially on the shot that ended up going in. But um, yeah, just a, a hell of a week for him. I think this is the the Campbell revenge tour. Like I think he's gonna build up some confidence, and we go ahead with this. So uh, I think it was a a good uh, a good start. Were you surprised at all that he he got back to back nights? I was only surprised just because it was back to back, but I was less surprised considering they beat the Sharks seven to one. They only went to um, Vegas, which I keep, I feel like I keep saying that weird, but, um, and it wasn't that far of travel and he didn't have a busy night against the Sharks. So it seems pretty reasonable. And I'd rather that considering how well he had been playing the past two games than Calvin Pickard. Not to not any slight on Pickard, but he is our third string goalie and our AHL goalie. I'd prefer he not have <laughs> to start any games if possible. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was watching the Vegas game um, when Campbell's helmet flew off, and I think that that pictures kind of floated around the uh, the internets and <laughs> made waves. I didn't realize how bald he's going. Uh, it's kind of a shocker for for everyone at home. I, don't know I definitely was shocked when I saw it. Um, <laughs> I will forever be like, as somebody who is balding myself, but I'm balding in the front, not on the back. I will always be like shocked that people don't shave their heads once they start balding, especially in the back, because it in looks the back, so it, yeah. obvious. Like I yeah, would want to yeah. shave that or at least comb it over or something like that. Like, <laughs> no, I, I love Campbell. Don't get me wrong, but you got to embrace the baldness once you start balding. I feel like when you're trying yeah. to save it, it's just you'll end up looking like Kevin Shattenkirk and it's not a good look. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah, no, I saw that. I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> but absolutely no shame. Absolutely no shame there. Um, yeah, it, hell of a week. I mean, if we want to dive into the, some of these games, I think the one that kind of stood out to me, uh, it was kind of the Sharks game because San Jose is not that bad of a team this year. And to see the way they beat up on them was kind of insane. Well, I know Louie and Jack were, they brought it up multiple times anyways, that the Sharks have had like the most one goal game losses in the league. Um, hmm. Meaning that they are in a lot of games. They're getting, they don't get blown out very often versus the Ducks, for example, who have been blown out by three goals or more like 15 times this year. So yeah. I think it's, it's a sign that the Sharks are a good team and they have some really good players on their team. And obviously Carlson's back to form and playing really well. But I think Edmonton proved that 
they are more than a mid-tier team being able to finally do what they need to do, which is slaughter the slaughter the shitty teams and yeah. beat the good teams like the Knights. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because I was looking at trends over the. I think I heard somewhere on Saturday night, or it might have been during the Sharks game, that the Oilers have uh, produced over forty shots on goal for the like at least forty shots on goal for like the past like seven games or something. Obviously, they didn't do it against Vegas, but they still considerably outshot um, them. And you know, I think this is a big uh, a big ingredient for this team to to pull out success, like just firing pucks on net. Um, you're not seeing them, you know, coddle the puck and trying to set things up. A lot of just like garbage goals have gone in this, this past week too. So I don't know if you've noticed anything there. Well, it's something Edmonton always misses is that they do the extra pass or they try to pick the corner and miss the net. I can vividly remember at least twice in these last three games that Hyman had a breakaway and he just clean missed the net trying to pick the corner versus maybe trying to shovel at five hole like McDavid likes to do all the time. Um, yeah. but there have been a lot more of those quote unquote garbage goals where guys just have their sticks on the ice and they're in front of the net and banging a rebound or they cause a screen and tip the puck in anything like that. And they don't get a lot of those, or at least at the beginning of the year, they certainly weren't. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, yeah. Other, other things that happened this week, uh, Vinny Deharnay makes his debut for the Oilers in Anaheim. Uh, we, it's funny when you looked at like we were talking about at the start of the season and how this team needs to improve and we really need to, uh, you know, get more out of the draft than what we've been getting. This guy's a fucking seventh rounder who missed the NHL draft two years. Like he didn't get picked up for two years and we got a seventh rounder starting and he's been, he's been pretty solid on the back end. I've been very, very impressed with him. I like his physicality. I like his speed for his size. It's been quite a surprise. Um, if I remember correctly, he was injured in the preseason, so he never got a lot of games in. So that was one of the reasons why he never really got a chance early on to crack the lineup. Um, but he's proven that he's a really solid player and can play the way that he needs to. I know there's been a couple moments where he's looked a little shaky. I'm not going to say he's looked yeah. bad but he's been able to at least somewhat recover in most of those situations and salvage the play. So it, it's not like a Samarukov moment where he directly leads to two goals against in his first career NHL game. So he's, <laughs> he's really looked pretty solid and it's been a, a good, a good showing for him, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice to hear it. Nice to get those little, uh, uh, unsung hero kind of stories throughout the season and, it really speaks to the depth, but I mean, do you think that was part of the decision? So I guess uh, with that being said, I have to mention that the Oilers sent down uh, Marcus Niemelainen back to the Condors. Do you think that played? Like, do you think his play uh, contributed to that decision? I would say it's 50% his play contributing to that, meaning that he's the seventh defenseman, but it's also Philip Broberg who has That's shown true. that he's been very, very solid these past, I would say, 10 games or so. He's really settling into that third-pairing role and um, just kind of taking that role and running away with it versus at the beginning of the year, especially in the preseason, he, he didn't do that. But he's looked a lot more <laughs> yeah. comfortable. Yeah, I was joking actually on Saturday about how you're going to have Costin, you're going to have... Uh, uh, 
Broberg and then you add in Day or Nay, like these are going to start forcing some like regular starters out of the lineup on a nightly basis. Well, isn't that kind of what you want? You want pressure from down in the Absolutely. lineup. Absolutely. That's forcing these guys to have to improve their game. Like you look at like Pulyarvi needs to improve because Costin is really knocking at the door and looking to essentially take his place. And Deharnay is really knocking on the door to come in on that right side. And maybe if he plays well enough over these next like next games, I don't want to set expectations too high, but he starts putting pressure <laughs> on guy like CC or Bouchard or Barry for like ice time, especially on things like the PK. Mm-hmm. And Broberg might start pressuring like a Kulak, for example, on that second pairing. But to See, be fair, Kulak has also played really well. I was going to say, um, just I, I've heard some rumblings here, but could Kulak actually be our best uh, trade bait, you know, available out there? I'd, I'm going to say no, only because who, like, who do we replace in, in, him with? Like, sorry, do you in, mean like a one-for-one one swap with somebody? Uh, I mean in terms of defensemen available to trade. Like, you're probably going to get more bites from a, a, a Kulak return than you would from a Barry at this point. In terms of your return on investment, like, I would say probably <laughs> he has more value. Um, yeah. Only because his contract is a little bit cheaper and a little bit mm-hmm. shorter. But I think Edmonton could not afford to get rid of him in any capacity, unless like yeah, I, it's a one for one trade with a guy like Gavrikov. But if you do something like that, you're trading a known quantity for somebody who might not end up fitting in with the team very well. Yeah. That's very true. Very true. And, and with the way he's been playing too, like why would you want to, you know, rustle things up? Uh, I, I, I can't really complain about anything. Like why the only change that I think the Oilers have to do is they have to move Pulley and they have to do it relatively soon because it's, it's eating up contract. He's sitting on the fourth line. I saw somewhere on the internet today that said we'd be better off with Zach Cassian than, than uh, yes, a Pulley which I'm, even I'm going to say, like, no to that. But um, I just, I don't think you can have a $3 million player playing on that bottom line in the role that he has. I mean, yeah, unless, yeah, they just don't. I I can't really argue with it. With the amount he's making, the ice time that he's playing, the opportunity he's getting, and what he's doing with his opportunities when he is actually given them, it's just not mm. really enough. Like I know he does. Didn't he score a, at least one goal in one of these games? I can't remember which. Yeah. Um. He scored against San Jose, and I don't know if he scored against Anaheim, but he is just kind of been upended by Costin. Honestly, it's hard yeah. not to look at it that way. And it's similar with like Vogel being upended by Yanmark, and that's why there's been rumors of Fogel potentially getting traded, even though he did have a really good start to the year and was playing really well. After he got hurt, he's come back, and he hasn't really been overly effective. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to put my, my tinfoil hat on here. Uh, just just thinking of radical changes that could potentially happen, but do you see a scenario in which Dylan Holloway gets moved out of the lineup? I could see it in the case that um, Kane comes back, and Holloway's stewing on the fourth line, and they'd rather just have him go down to the AHL and play like top line minutes, top power play minutes, and put in a guy like a like a Devin Shore or a Derek Ryan or something like that to fill in for his position, especially if they're running eleven and seven, and yeah. they 
don't really need that many forwards on the roster and then have Holloway be more of a black ace come playoff time. It's like, as yeah. good as he's been at times, he does only have three goals and like five assists this year. That's what I was kind of wondering. Like it, in the role, like he, he obviously hasn't had a lot of opportunity to succeed. We saw him like playing on the top line with McDavid this past week. Um, but uh, like when Kane comes back, does he just move right back down to like the third and fourth line? Like, what do you do with him? I don't know. But I, yeah. I mean, back to your point about Yamamoto, like it's probably it's it's not a good thing, but the, the availability is there. Well, I think that's the big word that you just use is availability, like he's waiver eligible. So if they're going to send somebody down between Holloway, Fogle, Pugliarvi, uh, Derek Ryan, Devin Shore, like he's the one who is waiver eligible. Like, yes, he's making mm-hmm. league minimum, but do you just send him down just because he can? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good point. I I don't know what you wind up doing. This team is just, it, it's a wealth of riches, really, hey? I would say in some regards. I'd say we have yeah. some, like the top end talent is the top end talent. And then we just have a lot of mid players, like in terms of production, <laughs> let's just say, um, that are all kind of just being juggled around. So there's no nobody really pushing into the lineup outside of like a cost and who's that much of a surprise at this point. Well, and, and that's what I love about. Sorry, finish your thought there. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say and Yanmark as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I that's what I was going to say is and I'll I'll add Yanmark into that. The one thing that I love about Costin is he's producing, but he's producing on the third line as well. And I think that's something we haven't had. Um, you, you, the 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 knock on Edmonton has always been that if they're uh, they're succeeding, it's because they're playing with McDavid and Drysaitel, and if they're failing, it's because they're not playing with McDavid and Drysaitel. And it's nice to see like the success come from uh, outside of those minutes. I think a couple of those points for Costin this past week, but. Um, You've got a guy making $800,000 for the Edmonton Oilers this year, and he's got nine goals, which is one more than the guy down Highway 2 making $11 million like in uh, Jonathan Huberto. It's, it, I just love to see it. Love to see it. Yeah, I just like the big thing I really want is like I'm very happy that a guy like Costa and the Yamark are pushing into that third line and rather than playing fourth line or sitting in the press box. But we need guys to step up and push into the top six. Like, and mm-hmm. like, I'm going back to like the Yamamoto's and the Pulyarvis and even the Fogels and the Holloways, like these guys who we need somebody to step up, and none of them really seem to be taking that step to be able to take that open spot in the top six. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree with you there. Um, just looking at some of the notes. <laughs> One thing I got in a conversation. I'm not gonna t- say who this is because I don't want to like, um, don't want to throw them under the bus here. But I was having a conversation with someone over the past week after the uh, the Gene Principe thing with uh, McDavid on his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize how like divisive people are over Gene Principe. Like I think he's an icon in Edmonton. I but I feel like you're either one or the other. Yeah, people either love or hate him. And I thought you were going to bring up his uh, his interest in the old furry convention on Saturday, but... What? Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> you didn't hear about that? No! Yeah, he said that, like, before the game, he met, like, some people. 
um, that were wearing like furry costumes and they were talking about how they're going to a convention and everything like that. And uh, he was uh, interested potentially on ch- checking it out. And they're like, I feel like Gene needed some convincing afterwards. We we're like, Gene, 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 please like, don't let's not do this. That's amazing. That is amazing. No, I wish I would have saw that. But yeah, it, it's it's weird. It's just either one or the other. People just cannot like pick between. Well, I think that it's the people who like cringe and don't like cringe because, like, he he lives in that zone of I'm going to make puns that are going to make people cringe or roll their eyes. And some people like that shit and some people really can't stand it. Like, I know, for example, I watched a, a documentary on HBO the other day that has a lot of cringy stuff in it. And the person oh, yeah. I was watching it with, they couldn't even, like, look at the screen because they were like, this is too oh. much for me. I can't do this. And I'm watching it. and I'm laughing because I think it's hilarious. Oh, that's. Yeah, like my fiance can't watch The Office because of Michael Scott. So well, ex- I, exactly, I, it's it's things like that. So I think it comes down to people can handle cringe comedy and people can't handle cringe comedy. Ah, uh, he's a winner in my books, man. <laughs> hey, I love Gene too, and I think he is. He's what people look at for uh, actually making a presence as like a an intro guy. Like how many how many other oh. Um, opening analysts, I guess. I don't know the actual term for them or hosts for something. Can you mm-hmm. like name off the top of your head who actually you remember their name and every day you're like, wait, if he's not here, where is he? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Like he's, he's very unique, very unique. Um, yeah. Looking at other news and notes, you just had the one thing about Nuge there. Yeah. I, Nuge is now that, moved, that was last or sometime in the last week. Um, I think it was in the Anaheim game potentially, but he moved into ninth place in Oilers all-time scoring, which is that's fucking incredible. wild. I well, uh, man, like he's been around for a while already. It's hard to think about the fact that he's uh he's been here for this long, but yeah, he just passed Doug Waite for number nine on the list. He's now God up four damn. points on him at five hundred and eighty-one points. He's only Good fifty points behind Ryan Smith. Oh, he's gonna eclipse that, hey! Like, yeah, in no he might time. do it this season. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, with the the pace that he's on and the, on the ripper he's on, um, dude. So I don't think I think I've heard this before, but playoff points do not count towards this. Is that correct? I believe so. I think it's just regular season points. Like right, you can look right. at it. It's probably just a different thing overall, where it's like the all time playoff points. Which is hard. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of the current Oilers outside of maybe McDavid and Drysaddle are going to be able to make an impact on that just because we've missed the playoffs so many times over the past, whatever, like 10 years. So a guy like Newt, yeah. for example, just hasn't had enough games to even be on that list. <laughs> well, I mean, that just speaks to the production that he has with the points. Exactly. Um, Taking a look at uh, this upcoming week, we've got Tuesday against Seattle. This will be the last one of the year. Feels like we've played Seattle at least once a week for the past six weeks. Uh, Tampa Bay on Thursday, Saturday against Vancouver. Vancouver is in one hell of a predicament right here. I I feel bad for uh, Bruce Boudreaux. Like, I feel like they're just dragging this man's heart out of his chest. Man, every week we somehow end up talking about Vancouver, and it's never good. It's like, like that car accident you just can't look away from. Well, it's just it's just a joke. Like for anybody who doesn't know, now there's a bunch of drama or drama about uh, the Tanner Pearson injury, how it was mistreated by the medical oh. staff, 
And apparently the medical staff also messed it up last year with another injury to somebody else. But it turns out they fired that medical staff during the summer. And this is a different medical staff. But now they're having the same problem. It's just uh. very confusing. Like this is apparently Tanner Pearson's going to have surgery for the fourth time on the same hand. Uh, see, I didn't hear about this. Yeah, then this this, this is, is the most recent news on it. And it, well, this was yeah, all brought it, to light because apparently Quinn Hughes brought it up in a post-game interview. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah that's, and now, that's now they're doing sign. an internal investigation on the medical team. Holy shit. What a tire fire. Just like, remember whenever you're like, oh, I don't like Bob Nicholson, I don't like Daryl Cates, I don't like the Oilers <laughs> management, it, it can be way worse. Yeah, yeah. And they do have an owner that likes to have his hands in the in the mud the entire time too. So I, I don't know what's going to wind up happening with them. Um, I, well, I heard there's today rumors that like Pedersen wants yeah. to leave, and like obviously Horvat's going to get probably traded, and it's because JT Miller sucks ass. Like, <laughs> ugh, it just makes me sick thinking about it. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. I forget what I was going to say, but yeah, just Vancouver tough. Tough time. Oh, I I saw that they uh, they need to do a complete inventory and an, I think they said an autopsy of their lineup, but they don't want to commit to a rebuild. Like, well, that's the big thing with Vancouver is they refuse to commit to a rebuild. Ever since the Sedins left, they should have just done it and bit the bullet. But like, no kidding. The, the whole bringing JT Miller thing in to that team is in the way I see it, it would be the equivalent of Edmonton bringing in Kane last season. And Kane being the like absolute toxic human being that people thought he was going to be. Like, luckily he turned out to be a great person for this team and great in the locker room. But imagine if he would have came in and just been a complete cancer to the locker room, like people were expecting. Well, and I feel that I feel there's an element to Vancouver just dealing with a sunk cost fallacy. Like they've committed so much to this and well, like, yeah, you know what I mean? They're paying Tyler Myers. They're paying like Ekman Larson. They have these not so great contracts on these players, and they just are like, "Well, there's no point in rebuilding. We have these guys that we can't trade because their contracts are too shitty. So let's just mm-hmm. keep sticking it out, and we'll keep trading first round picks for players that don't make much of an impact. They'll probably re-sign Kuzmenko for some reason, even though they'd be better off just selling him at the trade deadline for assets. No kidding." No kidding. Honestly, like for a little bit there, I I don't know why, but Yesapuliyarvi seems like a perfect fit in Vancouver. I don't know why. Hey, I'd be down for like a Puliyarvi for Kuzmenko trade or something like that, because Kuzmenko yeah. has that league mid salary, so it would be very nice to have like pretty much triple Puliyarvi's production for that player. Yeah, totally, totally. So nice, quick little homestand for Edmonton. Um, We'll get back into the rip of things. Hopefully that uh, the record continues. Maybe this team, like Vegas, I know a lot of people are skeptical. They're like, let's worry about the uh, the couple points. Edmonton is not like off Vegas's radar in terms of catching them. Well, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about how Edmonton's kind of out of it and we're going to be just straight fighting for a wild card spot this season. But if we have an ending to this year, let's just say similar to last year, then we could easily push into the like one, two or three spot, like at least the three. But like, I don't know with the way Seattle's playing, it might be hard to catch them, but we're only five points back of both Seattle and LA and uh, Mm -hmm. six point or sorry, seven points back of Vegas. 
So it's so, not out of the question that we can easily push into that area. It will be very difficult, especially because Calgary's also tied in points with us. Yeah. But so it's not I saw I saw a thing today that they're projecting the uh, playoff cutoff to be at, uh, uh, I think they said uh, 20, sorry, I'm getting my numbers mixed up, 93 and a half points. And so that would basically mean the Oilers have to go 20, 16, and 1 on the remaining games, which would be, I think, a very disappointing, like, belabored team heading into the, the playoffs. Yeah, if they had that record going into the playoffs, I'd be very, very disappointed. My yeah. hope would be if it's what was that 2016 and one. So that's 37 games left. Like if they don't win, I'll say 25 of those games, I'll be disappointed. Like if yeah. they were 25 and 12 or something like that, then I'd be very happy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're coming with... into. Sorry. Sorry. Finish I was just going to say. Uh, with this roster, the way that they're set up, like I think they should have double as many wins as losses. Like that's how the season should end. They should Agreed. have like yeah. 50, fifty wins, twenty five losses, or whatever that comes out to in eighty two. That should yeah. be around the level that I would hope for. And yeah, I I don't love it when a team comes blowing their load at the start of the season, like Toronto seems to do every year, and then they like run out of steam come playoff time. I think every like team that's destined for a long playoff run has like the first kind of stumbling blocks for the first uh, months and then picks up um, where I'm going with this is I keep going back every week to check on the standings and this Boston Bruins team is fucking for real, man. Dude, it's terrifying. They're a terrifying team. I, I don't understand I, how they're as good as they are, but like it's, it's pretty intense when they can comfortably play Taylor Hall on the third line and not even think about it. Well, no, yeah, no shit. I was watching the, uh, uh, Leafs game and on Saturday before the Oilers and they had a power play there in the third period and Taylor Hall sat on the bench the entire power play. I'm like, holy shit. Like just for reference, they have a plus 72 goal differential which is plus 32 more or 32 more than the next closest team in New Jersey at plus 40. Yeah. It's just wild, man. Just yeah. wild. They're, they're like but. the, the Tampa Bay record breaking levels of like playing well. Yeah. Yeah. I would not be shocked at this pace if they, they break some records this year because yeah. they what they have four regulation losses this season. Uh, they have five now, but they only Five? have one regulation yet? loss at home. Yeah, they lost recently. I can't remember when or how. But yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just mind blowing. And I it makes me feel like an idiot because I feel like me along with many other people have been sitting here for years being like, Yeah, Boston's gonna fall off. Just you wait. Bergeron can't keep this up forever. That's that's the big thing, is like how Patrice Bergeron is playing the way he's playing at his age is like Yeah, just head turning. Well, and they lose a guy like Chara, finally, and you're like, oh, their defense is going to fall off. But then they trade for Lindholm, and he's playing like a like a Norris candidate. And obviously, they have McAvoy, who's like unreal. And we're just sitting here, and not too much shade on Nurse, but he's not playing to the same level as those guys are, and he's getting paid yeah. more than both of them. Um, yeah. But to be fair, I wanted to mention because I forgot to mention earlier. Like, I do want to give 
nurse some props that he has quieted down his game a little bit. And there's been significantly less amount of times I've yelled at my TV when he has the puck. A, a quiet nurse is a good nurse, I think. I will be a, I will scream that from the rooftops. Honestly, <laughs> the quieter he plays his game, the better he is, and he needs to just cool it. And I think he's been doing that, and it's really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got the play, not playoffs. The uh, All Star game coming up. It's not next week, right? It's the week afterwards. So. I think so. Because the Oilers have a bye week as well. There's a, I think the bye week is coming up because they play Saturday against Vancouver and then they have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off. Then they play Columbus yeah. and then they have Thursday, Friday off. Then they play Chicago on Saturday. Like there's a lot of two day gaps in between games. So yeah. the All Star game, I don't even know when the All Star game is. I don't know. I, I can't stand to watch them very much uh, i'm not February a huge fan 4th. of it okay that makes sense uh i know that uh, i heard mcdavid being interviewed uh just talking about his uh, i think he's on tim and friends but uh they're asking him about the the all-star game and he's uh mentioning how it's not an all-star game unless leon dreisaitl's there and uh he just made a joke about how he's like well he better be going to the game because we have plans for the bye week so I, I guess we still have to do our part and vote in uh, Drysidle, but um, yeah. Anybody who's listening on Twitter, make sure you get involved in that fan vote. Vote for Drysidle and vote for Nuge too. I think Nuge has yeah. more than earned his spot at the All Star game this year. No shit. Good. Good inclusion there. Yeah. Um, and just for reference, they play Chicago on Saturday, January twenty eighth, and then they play right. Detroit on Tuesday, February seventh. So there's an entire okay. week and two days off. So nine days yeah. off between those games. Well, we'll have to discuss and figure out what we're doing for that. Maybe we all deserve a little bit of a break from uh, the season and then we make the push for playoffs. But for right now, the Edmonton Oilers are on a heater and uh, man, life is good. 